Welcome. This is the Dangerous Men United podcast, live from Wheatland, Missouri. And we have with us today Johnny and Spencer and two guests from Southwest Baptist University, Tyler and Tim. So we're going to ask Tyler and Tim questions about their journey with Dangerous Men. So we'll start with Tyler. Tyler, tell us about how you got involved with Dangerous Men and what it's been like. Yeah, absolutely. So got to SBU in 2018 as a freshman, and my soon-to-be RA was talking to us about a Bible study. He didn't he didn't really say anything about what was included in the Bible study. He was like, hey, just, just join us for a Bible study. We have to get CLW credits at SBU uh, in order to graduate. Community Life and Worship credits is what they're called. And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, just join us. And so on Sunday nights, our local church gives free food to college students. That's a draw right there. That is. It's, to college yeah, students. it's a yeah. huge draw. And That's so a good deal. We went, uh, we went there, and then he was like, all right, well, we'll just meet afterwards. And so we uh, we get up, we finish our food, we get up there, and he just goes right into it. He's like, all right, guys, we're going to talk about pornography, masturbation, and we're going to talk about our lustimonies. And so one by one, starting with him, we go around the room, and, and everybody's just like laying it out, you know, like, yeah, I was... You know, looking at porn. Lustimony is the sexual, your sexual history, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, everybody's just going around talking about their, you know, pornography history and when they started masturbating and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there, I'm freaking out. I've never, never told anybody any of this, right? And yeah. So, you know, me being the scared freshman I was, I get to my, uh, my turn, I start talking about three minutes in, I just start breaking down in tears. And, you know, these are, these are guys that I just, I've just met, you know, yeah. sitting yeah. there crying from all this kind of stuff. So, uh, that was my that was my first introduction to uh, Dangerous Man, a very uh, you know straightforward one, but it was it was well needed. Yeah, Tim, what was your first introduction? That and that was <laughs> that Tim was there. That was probably the most memorable like thing of that semester was that first meeting we went to, all expecting it to be a Bible study, all expecting it to be a free ride for our community life and worship points. And then, you know, he drops that bombshell. And who, I, who was the leader? Mikkel Deschen. Okay. So he led, he led all of the, the third floor of our got male dorm, basically. So we had like 15 guys, so, and everyone's face went red. I think it got to like the fourth person until we realized, it was like, oh, all of us. Like, not a single one of these people have been like, well, nope, doesn't affect me. And so it, it got easier as it went down. Yeah. Sadly, Tyler had to be one of those first four that... You know, showed his true colors in front of everybody, but I mean, it, it set the stage for years of friendship. I mean, that group is still together in in sort. Some people have moved on with life, but we're all still very close. So you guys got involved back in 2018. Yeah. And now you are both in your senior years of your undergraduate. Tim is about to pursue a master's degree. You're moving to pursue your degree uh, in work. Uh, it's but now, <laughs> he's getting a job out of college. I don't know what that's that pretty is. good. That's know. pretty good. I'm not aware of jobs. Let's keep getting but, <laughs> yeah. a few more, please. And so now, Dangerous Men is a club on campus with how many members? Um, we see about 40 plus guys by the end of the semester. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it starts above that. Sometimes yeah. it starts below. What what gave you the idea about having a club on campus? <clears throat> Well, it started, I think, as a small group. It was one group, um, and then that group of, like, four people all became leaders. So, I mean, just like the Great Commission, like, the, they they were led, and then they started leading. And that grew into what I saw it 
four years ago. I think it had been going on for a couple years before I took over. But yeah, it was people that had a really good group and decided to go share that with other people. And so now each group um, has from anywhere between one person to like 12 people. And we have about 12 leaders on campus right now. So like discipleship. Yeah, exactly like discipleship. Shocking. (laughs) It works, surprisingly. Disciples leading disciples, or disciples discipling others. Making disciples, yeah. Yeah. So Tim, you're the president, and Tyler, you're the vice president. What does your responsibilities look like in a given week? Yeah, the names are just fancy. I think we both (laughs) kind of share very equal responsibility. What the organization used to look like is we would have an hour every week I was a leader for one semester before I took over. We would have an hour each week where we would meet and basically just discuss club logistics. How are groups going? When are they meeting? Who's leading them? How many people? When are we doing this event? When is the freedom retreat? When are we, like, money? All that kind of stuff. And I saw that as kind of hindering. So we made these fancy terms, president and vice president. And Tyler and I and our sponsor, Bill Walkup, who is a professor at SBU, spend about half an hour before the hourly meeting getting all of that. And we get it done pretty quickly, and we save some of it to talk with the guys, but mostly now our hours spent of discipling the leaders. Because if they spend their entire week pouring into guys and don't have any break from that to get poured into, then we see burnout, and that's what I saw. And so he does a lot of the money. I do everything else because I don't know anything about money. Yeah. I sold all. Yes. <laughs> I guess a quick question for you guys is, so when you first started the group, was it a club? Was it an established club yet when you first came to SBU? No. Okay. So kind of, in a sense, I guess the question is- It's one of the radar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It wasn't official. Yep. Okay. So what would you say are like the key differences between maybe those first, that first year when it wasn't an established club at the school and now that it is an established club? What are some differences you see um, just in like the overall functionality of it? Does it- function better on campus or whatnot? Are you pulling in more guys now because it's a club? What are some of those differences you've seen? I think part of it is we have more structure, kind of like Tim was saying earlier, you know, Tim and I are just president and vice president. We have, we have titles, quote unquote. That does give it structure for it to, to function properly, especially with it being a club because, you know, for us, like we get our funding from the school, you know, so like, you know, part of my role is to have kickoff events, you know, so we might have like a spike ball tournament, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like we, like we had back in Colorado or something like that, or just, just do fun activities to, to get people together on campus. And so I think previously, and I, uh, Tim should get a lot of credit for where this has gone because he's taken this, it was, and I wouldn't say it was flimsy or not well put together when we kind of first got there. Once, once kind of Tim took the reins, I mean, maybe what I'm looking for is just solid, strong leadership. And obviously, uh, Mr. Walkup, too, has a huge, huge role to play in that. Mm-hmm. But having having strong leadership, that's that's where I think the, the big key difference is. Um, Tim had a vision for it. Tim grabbed people like me. And we've got lots of other leaders that have, you know, put in a lot of, lot of good work into it. And so uh, I think just having that good structure and that good leadership and having a vision, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of going to like business terms because that's, that's how my mm-hmm. mind thinks, you know. But from my perspective, that's that's what's kind of shot this in a, in a really good direction. So yeah, what was your vision to begin with? I don't know. It was, <laughs> it's... Well, first of all, yeah. uh, Professor Walkup is the one who kind of wanted it to happen and mm-hmm. got it started and wanted the, the ministry to continue on campus. And so the first couple of years there, 
I'm going to interview him in a little while. That'll be good. He's, uh, yeah. It'll be a long but, interview. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he's going to listen to that. <laughs> he, anyway, you know, he's, he's going to figure out, you know, give us the beginning of it and yeah. how his brain worked. But then you took over as like the second president, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, really the, the big thing I saw when I first joined was the guys had to carry a lot of financial weight to join the club. It was, I think, 30 plus dollars to go to the Freedom Retreat. It was, you were buying your own book. And so that in the sense that it didn't run as a club, it didn't run as a, a college funded organization. And so the first thing I said was, I want them to be able to pay to give skin in the game. And we got that from you, not, not free. Yeah, not free. But I, I don't want that to be the reason that they say no. So with the funding, we're able to get them to pay like 10 bucks for the book and the retreat. And with Walkup and his lovely wife's help, we're able to get that down to like $8 a head for an entire weekend of food and stuff like that. We're able to pay less for books, less for the retreat. The school will post like advertisements for us. We'll be able to talk in chapel. And we also have tables at the beginning of each semester for when the freshmen walk around the, the campus. So we're able to advertise there as well. Do you have a strategy for reaching freshmen as they come in? Yeah, that's our big push this next semester too, is because that's where we've been failing, I would say. The freshman tables do a good job, but there's such a big gap between when they come to visit and their first weeks and when we're able to get every club or yeah. every group running. And so the disconnect loses us a lot of people. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get in touch with every RA and RD on the male campuses or campus, but on the male dorms and get them to either like do it as their hall Bible study or promote it as an option for CLW for these new guys, because a lot of them are kind of trying to figure out how to get that. Yeah. I like the option. Yeah. Just because uh, if you try to force everybody to do it, you're going to get a lot of people right. who don't really care about it or don't want to go there. And if it's a required, it kind of goes that way. Yeah. And But if it's optional and they get to choose it, then the people that go really want to be there and really want help. And I, I think especially, too, like in Tim and I's experience, you know, because Mikkel, who's our previous RA, had told us about Dangerous Men and the community that we created. I was in Woody Got for two years. That was the dorm that Tim and I were in. And then I moved to Landon Hall for about a year and a half. I was an RA there. And... I was never really able to create that same type of community. I was able to start a dangerous men group in that dorm and, and bring a lot of those guys together. But just the, you know, the community that I think Tim and I saw, like like what that formed, I, I think and, you know, it just it just RAs have you know that you know amazing power. Because I mean, you have to talk to your RA. Yeah. You know, they, they they do your rim checks. They're around you all the time. And that's, yeah. That's just kind of how it is. So, and, you know, I, like Tim said, I think the RAs and RDs have such a vital role in getting them on board. Um, and getting them to like not be uncomfortable about talking about it, you know, it's that that's always the biggest thing. Yeah. This stuff is people get well, shamed by the uncomfortable. Shamed and right. scared, mm -hmm. and no one's ever talked to them about it. Yeah. Is that something you encourage some of your leaders to do? Is join the RA program or whatnot so that they can kind of have that influence? Yeah, and I mean, the big thing is trying to. We have a lot of RAs too in our yeah. groups, but it's also, you know, they have those guys, and so we're trying to get in contact with the other ones to just let them know. Mm -hmm. And two, so what we did for one one night, we printed off, what, 250 flyers, bought like $30 worth of candy, and walked through every single male dorm and knocked on every single door. 
and like left the flyers and left stuff for that. It's just like getting our name out is so key because it's such a shameful topic. Yeah. And so, you know, when you see maybe like you see a flyer on the, the a wall, it's very impersonal. But when you see like 15 guys throwing starbursts down the hall with flyers, it's a little bit more like, okay, this is this is normal. Like yeah. people struggle with this, you know, I can get help from these guys. Yeah. So both of you went to our training in Colorado, the dangerous leadership training. So tell us about that, your experience there, and did it help you bring anything back on campus? Uh, for me, I, I absolutely loved it. I think the, the big thing which um, really helped me was just seeing how like widespread Dangerous Men is, you know, getting getting to meet guys like, you know, Spencer and Johnny and just, you know, all these different leaders that are at, you know, their schools. Yeah, from around the country. Right, yeah. exactly. And so, like, you know, you know, when you say something's on a national scale, that kind of puts things like, whoa, like, this, is, this is a big deal and this is, this is a movement, this is something that can really spread. And I think a part of it that I really enjoyed was the fact that we were able to bounce ideas off each other. You know, mm-hmm. we, we talked about, like, what goes good in our groups, what doesn't go well, and you start to realize, like, oh, my gosh, I never thought of that. And then you might have something where somebody's like, whoa, like, that's really cool. Tell me more about that. And so you, just, you just you just learn, you know. And, and just getting to meet some of the guys at the retreat, I mean, you know, especially, like, Spencer and Johnny here, I mean, just, you guys have good spiritual depth, and it's awesome just getting to see you guys go out and do these things. And it was inspiring for me. I was like, man, I'm, I, I need to pick up my game. You know, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not where I need to be. And so, yeah, it was a very, I think it was an eye-opening experience for me. And being in Colorado is always awesome, too. That oh, was, and <laughs> that was the Jeep trip was okay, too. <laughs> yeah. I'd say the biggest thing, and I knew you were going to ask this question, too. And I thought of it, and I still don't have, like, a that good answer. But I think the biggest thing for me was the Holy Spirit. Especially That's not a good answer. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's the answer I want everybody to have. Right. And I mean, you talked about it so much and I don't think it ever really hit, but we had these breakout sessions where it would be just like, all right, you're just going to go and you're going to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. I mean, what does that mean? I'm just going to sit there. I'm not going to think of anything. A thought pops in my head, whatever. It, it wasn't until then that I realized that I wasn't going to hear some like thunderous voice from the thrones of heaven. Like, this is what you have to do. Like, when you think of the Holy Spirit being inside of you, which is what we talked about so much, like, that is God. Like, that is, that is part of the Trinity, a part of you. And so when you're thinking these thoughts, and you always made the joke that was like trying to figure out the Holy Spirit versus my own is like, was this Taco Bell or is this like God telling me to do something? Yeah. Is That's when it clicked. It was like, oh, the Holy Spirit's a part of me. That's like, that can be the head, the voice in my head telling me, oh, maybe I should do this. Like, And so being able to be led by the Holy Spirit and not just like waiting for some awestruck miracle to finally slap me in the face was very empowering and I brought that back especially in the group that I led we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit in prayer which I don't think anybody understands especially Baptists especially (laughs) I mean like you can't even say the word Holy Spirit you know it's too mystical for them and so when you when we were like we're gonna pray for something and we're gonna pray that you know God does this but we're also going to pray with like the power that we have inside of us that it might be done. And so I think that was like a really cool thing that I learned. Like the Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit has power and the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And be That's able pretty to cool. That. We just last weekend I did the walking with the ghost. <clears throat> let the Holy Spirit write a story with your life. And that was all about that. Mm-hmm. So and that was fun. And speaking of which, if you're listening to this, keep your keep your eyes open for the next book by the acclaimed Dangerous Men author, Walking with the Ghost. 
coming out sometime in the next 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to scare 12, people off that title. 12, maybe. 12 years. <laughs> 12 years. If they get scared off of the title, you know, they don't need to read it. Well, Tim, I'm glad you brought that up. I think, as you mentioned, it's sort of a forgotten part of Christianity is that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Sad thing that that can yeah, be forgotten. Right? It's like the climax of the whole book. It's pretty big. Yeah. But, uh, it's like the last thing he says or something. <laughs> I wouldn't know, but... Uh, <laughs> Like Malachi or something. <laughs> or something. I've learned a lot from observing the way that Lowell obeys those nudges. And I like that he calls them nudges, where he isn't necessarily saying, hey, you know, God told me as if it's a offhanded or a cheap thing. He's saying, I think God is, is placing this on my heart and I'm going to obey it. And I've certainly seen in my life when I obey, I get that connection to God and doors open that I didn't think would be possible. And I've heard Lowell talk about part of his life where he was leading a lot of good Bible studies and things were good on the outside, but he wasn't maybe listening to those nudges and didn't see the kind of fruit that he did when he started just being a little bit more passive and listening to the Holy Spirit, which I think is a good concept for guys running groups. And then on campus, I believe you guys also, there is also a girls like unveil group. What is your connection with that? Have you been involved in helping them get started, or has that been a completely different department? We've tried to get as close as possible. My dream a couple years ago, when this was like really big with Unveil being a thing and starting and getting girls to come, was I wanted the freshman tables that we do. I wanted you know the Dangerous Men group, I wanted the Unveil group, and I wanted the Freedom Flag behind us. And that's like that was my vision. It was like two groups doing the same thing for two different people. They've had a lot of trouble getting off the ground, just a bunch of random stuff, nothing that necessarily they can fault themselves. One semester, the girls' dorm that they were all in, like, lost power or, like, it flooded or something, and so, like, they, all, they all had to be, like, moved, and so it's been rough, but it's, start, it's going right now. It's going fairly well, I think. We don't have a lot of communication just because they are more closed in the way they run things. And I mean, that's something that I'd like to see, you know, in the future that we can work together. But it's just they're trying to make their group solid right now so that when they add a bunch of people, it doesn't just crumble. Because I know one time they we had like 70 girls sign up at one of the freshman things. I think Dangerous Men had like 25 guys, 70 girls sign up and there just wasn't enough infrastructure. And so you had 70 girls fall through the cracks. And so I think what they're trying to do, I think they ended up with like 20 in a group. Yeah. They're trying to focus on like that core group. So it's going well. And I'm excited to see where it goes in the future because I think if they can figure it out and figure out leadership and figure out the structure that they could get just as good, if not better, as Dangerous Men is doing right now. Because mm-hmm. if you think guys in porn is not talked about, that's a whole different thing. Like yeah. they, they don't even want to tell any information about who's in their groups. And like we're over here like very proud about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I could deal with it. <laughs> If you had uh, advice for, like, uh, Johnny's brothers trying to get us started at Grand Canyon University, what advice would you give Jake? I think my initial advice would be you gotta you gotta embrace the uncomfortable, and that's obviously with you know everything. But when I when I started my dangerous men group in Landon Hall when I first started as an RA, a lot of the guys were you know mostly athletes, and they were guys who were just asking for scholarships, and they're not there to get the Baptist education, you know. And when you come and approach them about this idea of joining a group that 
talks about lust and pornography, they snicker and jeer and laugh at you, and they're like, ah, man, like, that's, yeah, that's stupid, I, I don't want to do that, and all that kind of stuff, and so, I mean, yeah, I offered it to him, and got denied of, you know, having those guys join the group, but the guys that did join, I mean, this is not, this is not glory to me by any means, this is glory to God for the fact of what he's done, and how dangerous men has changed their lives, so, you know, you know, credit to you there for the for the book and everything. And well, I, I want to change the credit again. Is that <laughs> the book, the Dangerous Man book, doesn't change anybody. God Spirit right. changes us, and He uses the tool of the book mm. to do that. You stole what I was going to say, by the way. <laughs> something that Walkup has said, and when he hears this, he'll laugh because this is something that he needs to get tattooed. If he ever, I don't know, maybe. Uh, no, that's little, not going to happen. That's probably not going to happen. I, I, I have one tat, but if Walkup was a little cooler, and he'll get this. Mm. You'd get this tattooed. Basically, everything when we were starting came back to we don't run the group. And so I'll say it from his perspective. He always said, I don't run this group. I don't own this group. If I wake up tomorrow and it's gone, it's not mine. It's God's. And so that perspective has really helped us with this because every day we wake up, we, we give it to God and we say, if you bring the men, like we're just praying for it. If you bring the men, then they come. And if you don't, then that's okay too. Yeah. And we've had a great turnout. And we've had really good, successful years. And we just have to keep reminding ourselves that, you know, that's not because we're good at structuring a business or we're good at, you know, forming this structure, you know, getting money from the school. Like, it's God. And if tomorrow that falls apart, that's okay. And we move on to the next big and better thing. Yeah. It's probably your new book. <laughs> well, you never know. The last question I have is Tyler is getting ready to graduate and move away. Tim has one more year. What are you guys doing to... Uh, implement lasting structure to dangerous men so that it can survive when you leave. I'm praying for Tim every day. <laughs> I, I told him and walk up the other day that this has been my biggest fear is because it has had the same leader for so long and because we have a bunch of leaders that I will outlast to a certain extent because if they're juniors or if they're even a sophomore then they'll just be the leader for one year maybe a semester or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I've, we've been praying about it. A guy has come up to us and said that he would love to like take Tyler's position when he leaves and kind of work side by side me for my last year in finding the actual replacement. But we're hoping that, you know, it goes well. That's the hardest part is the, the leaders we have right now probably won't be there just because of their age by the time that I'm done. So I guess you're going on for your master's there. Yeah, because I'll be here for another year. And so just praying that he walks through the door soon because... <laughs> It'll be, it'll be good, though. Well, like you say, and I've said this, too, this is God's ministry, not our ministry. Right. And we just need to ask and see what he does. Right. I mean, that's for leaders. We have certain credentials. Like, they have had to go through the steps to freedom in Christ. And Hopefully. <laughs> that is bare minimum. Yeah. And then, then we walk them through Lowell's book, and then we have them. Let's get the plug in there. Get the title. Ten Rules for Spiritual Warriors. Well, oh, that one. There's also Dangerous Men. Yeah. Oh, that one. <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah, you wrote that one too, right? Yeah. So we go, welcome to that, and then we'll sit down with them. And I have a bunch of questions, like, what would you do if scenarios? So I don't want a leader to crumble when the first guy walks in and says, you know, I've mm -hmm. been having sex with my girlfriend for the past four years. Like, what's wrong? Like, what do you say to that? Like, you can't expect every single person to walk through this door to be normal, because no one is. But... So we have a lot of kind of tougher situational questions. So they've all been very well vetted and they're all good guys, but you know, some of them are just gonna graduate before I'm able to hand them the reins. Which I think that goes back to targeting the incoming freshmen. Right. You know, I mean, you never know what guy's gonna walk in and finds out about dangerous men and feels led to 
you know, eventually go into temp roll. So, yeah, just, you know, just the screening process that we've created and, well, I guess the attempt to create and just, you know, targeting the incoming freshmen because that's, that's the best best chance you have. I mean, not, maybe not the best, but a very, very good chance of success of, of getting new guys. Because they need it. The university. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. This question is directed a little more at Tyler because you're going to be graduating here this fall. Um, but Tim, you can answer as well. So I think going forward after you guys graduate, what do you see with Dangerous Men in your future? Or like, how do you see yourself continuing using Dangerous Men when you're out of SVU? Yeah, absolutely. This is a great question. So actually, my uh, my brother and I, he, so he's a he's a freshman at St. Louis University, back where my hometown is in St. Louis. And he was actually talking about potentially starting a group at St. Louis University. And so, you know, obviously I'll, I'll graduate here in the next four weeks, but being able to come alongside him and try to try to help him through that process. And if he's serious enough and he's and he, he wants to go through with it and, you know, get in contact with you guys and Lowell and all that stuff and, and get that rocking and rolling. And I think, too, it's just, it just it's kind of a quick side note, but I was I was at some, it was a, it was a business competition a couple weekends ago and we had speakers come in. You know, at SBU we've been kind of, maybe not, I don't, I don't know if shield is the right word, but all of our speakers, you know, they come out with a, a, like a Christ-like manner. And so, you know, at this competition, you know, they didn't have a Christ-like manner. They, they weren't putting God first. They were like, happiness starts with you. And you're like, that's not right. That doesn't, doesn't start with me. <laughs> and so I think I just realized, too, like, like once you get out into the, into the workforce and, if you, if you will, the quote-unquote real world, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be struck with a lot of different values and stuff like that. And so holding true to this and I, you just, I don't know, you just never know when somebody's going to be like, hey, man, I'm really struggling with pornography or masturbation. I'm like, dude. I got this really cool book that I did in college, and it's very, very relevant. And you know, hey, like, you know, I'd love to walk through it with you. And so, yeah, I think just being able to that, carry that knowledge forward. That's basically the only way it spreads is word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So when people go to different churches and they, you know, they meet people, and every young man struggles with it. So it's like you're able to talk now that there's no shame, and you, you can move on forward with it. Did you change the name of the Dangerous Men? Didn't call your. Uh, Group no. Dangerous Men? No? No. Um, am I under oath? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so all the groups are called Dangerous Men. You are. I mean the club. The is club it, is the club Dangerous Men or Freedom Club. It was going to be or, Freedom Club oh. because we were going to have a parent organization above Dangerous Men and Unveil. Oh, okay. But since that hasn't been able to fully take off, we're still Dangerous Men. I think I can probably try to answer that too. Is you know, Tyler going to a secular field, myself perhaps going Ooh. to a more, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I think the two biggest things that I first thought of, like, how, what am I going to do with this, is, you know, as a father, I think that's huge. Like, being able to, in a healthy way, walk your son and or daughter through this is massive for children. It's massive for parent-child relationships, and it would save so much heartache. Another thing is, the ministry, like this is going to be at every church that I have an ounce of say in, in some aspects, whether it's, you know, just ministry with accountability or whether if it's dangerous men, the book, go for the book, go for the book. It's just so sad to see so many ministries fall apart because of this, Yeah. because of the porn problem, because of adultery, because of just lust in general. Ministers are very famous for having little to no accountability in their workplace and in their personal life. And so having some sort of accountability, especially in this area, which is so very controversial that they just don't talk about it, it would it would save churches. I mean it would save Yeah. It would save people. So yeah. Awesome. Do you have anything final words out of Tyler? I got nothing. 
Oh yeah. Spencer, I think uh, you're a very smart businessman writing a book about uh, masturbation pornography. <laughs> if every man struggles edit, with it, edit, edit. I mean, I don't. <laughs> never have. No, never. I know some people. You're more than just a porn guy, lol. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is more than just porn. It's discipleship about porn. Well, <laughs> actually, it's not about porn. Not I mean, porn. if I could get people to. It's not porn. Uh, uh, people. Like I had a, a young man at a university ask me, well, how do I tell my girlfriend about this group? I haven't told her anything. And I've already just finished the Steps of Freedom. And I go, it's really easy. This is about identity. This is about forgiveness, about learning forgiveness. So this is about pride. This is about holy sexuality. This is about... It's not just porn of masturbation. <laughs> you think that's all it was because that was your biggest struggle. But... The book and the ministry is very much for all those other things. Yeah. So many people are, come to us and they're like, how do I tell my girlfriend? Like, it seems very embarrassing. But the second that it comes out of your mouth that you're trying to be a better Christian and a better person, it's like, why, better was, boyfriend? I, why was I so scared to say that? Yeah. And <laughs> I'm you trying just not say, to be prideful and I'm trying to let you go. You could just say mind. holy sexuality. You don't have right. to give her the dirty details. <laughs> Lust free. Yeah. Yeah. Living. That's what it was. I couldn't remember the mm -hmm. subtitle. The process of less for living. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Go to dangerousmenunited.org where you can purchase the book, which is a small group curriculum, and there's a lot of other resources on the website. And don't forget, be a man to man, a warrior to demons, and always God's boy.